a church on mission. Uh, this uh, Be the Church campaign that we've been going through, this is the last Sunday. We're looking at the final, the sixth and final cylinder, uh, which is reflected by the word mission, or the companion word is impact. And truly, we are a church on mission. You know, the church was created on purpose for a purpose. And the purpose is to accomplish the mission of God. And Jesus has set us on mission, and he did so to his disciples and to that early church, that small group of followers who would begin to spread the message of the gospel and ultimately see the message of God's grace spread around the world. We continue to carry that message. And so this cylinder has a statement of purpose that I think is very important. I'd like to read it and then have us read it together, if we could. This is the statement of purpose for cylinder six, which is, again, mission or impact. This is how it goes. Desiring to advance God's impact in our community, we will strategically invest for future kingdom improvement. Can we say that together? Desiring to advance God's impact in our community, we will strategically invest for future kingdom improvement. We want to be a church that is healthy and unified and firing on all cylinders. It's so important. The church is God's gift to the world. We carry the message of salvation. We have the message of hope. It is only through the message of Jesus and his death on the cross, his shed blood, uh, buried in a tomb, rose again on, th on the third day. It is only through him that we can be saved. And so we must carry the message. We must ensure that the message is passed on to the next generation. You know, it's true that as the gospel spread throughout the world, whenever it goes into a community, it always has a positive impact. Certainly people are saved. But what happens as uh, ancillary benefits is that people's lives are transformed. Their morality is elevated. Families are strengthened. The role that men take as leaders in the home, as spiritual leaders, is uh, amplified, right? It's altogether different. Uh, uh, the role that women play in the home. Uh, children are raised differently, so families become stronger and healthier. Uh, there are, there are um, benefits to the community as, as uh, God blesses and as people live and work with integrity and honesty, right? There's always an economic prosperity that comes to community when they follow Jesus. And so the gospel makes a tremendous impact. We want to make sure that that impact of the gospel continues to happen in this region. We want to make sure that we hand off uh, a, a community uh, environment, right, that is stronger than the one we were handed. And so we want to continue to carry the mission. Uh, a church that is on mission is a church that is alive and is looking ahead. We want to be people that aren't just concerned with today, but we're thinking about tomorrow. We're thinking down the road. 10, 15, 20 years. What could we do today that's going to make a difference for the, the people that come after us? That's how we want to think. We want to be a church that's alive and active. You know, in living churches, expenses are always more than their income. Dead churches don't need much money. Living churches have parking problems. Dead churches have empty spaces. Living churches may have some noisy children running around. Dead churches are quiet as cemeteries. Living churches keep changing the way they do things, trying to improve and get better. Dead churches see no need to change. 
Living churches grow fast and you can't keep up with people's names. In dead churches, everybody always knows everybody else's name. Living churches strongly support world missions. Dead churches keep the money at home. Living churches are full of regular, cheerful givers. Dead churches are full of grudging tippers. Living churches move ahead on prayer and faith. Dead churches only work on sight. Living churches plant daughter churches. Dead churches fear spending the money or time or talent. Living churches outgrow their Sunday school facilities. Dead churches or Awana facilities. Dead churches have room to spare. Living churches welcome all classes of people. Dead churches stick to their own kind. In living churches, members read their Bibles during the week and bring them to church. Dead churches, members seldom do. In living churches, members enthusiastically support the ministries. In dead churches, they have no ministries, only functions. In living churches, members look for someone they can help. Dead churches, members look for something to complain about. In living churches, members reach out to share their faith in Christ. Dead churches, members don't have enough faith to share. We are a church that's alive. And Jesus has called us to make sure we stay that way. One of the ways we stay alive and active is we keep our eyes focused on the mission. Uh, As I uh, teach the different core classes, I remember last year we were going through the discipleship core class. And uh, it might have been the first time I taught it, maybe the second time. But one, uh, as we were talking about the role that the church plays and how we should see ourselves. Someone in the class mentioned the idea that maybe we should see ourselves, instead of just as a church, see ourselves as a mission organization in this region. And I was like, man, that's a great idea. Because the truth is, the church is called to be a mission organization. And a church that's active and alive and moving sees themselves this way. Healthy churches are making a kingdom impact and they're investing in a community to see change. We don't just see ourselves as here to meet our needs. We don't just do the best we can do inside the walls of the church, but we're looking to make a difference outside. We really are thinking about regional impact. We ask questions, the same questions that mission organizations ask. You know, could we see poverty reduced? Could we see addiction diminished? Could we see stronger marriages? Could we see the next generation of children reached, right? These are the questions that a church on mission asks. And then we seek to to connect with people around those areas of need. The gospel applies to people's lives. It makes a significant difference. And one of the burdens that I have is to ensure that as a church, we're making this kind of impact. We're thinking about the future And we're investing strategically to make sure that this community is stronger for the next generation. A missional church is a community-building church. We've been called by Jesus. We've been given a mission to make disciples, right? Matthew 28, uh, that famous passage, it's called the Great Commission. And this is how it goes. Jesus speaking to his disciples, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We've not reached the end of the age yet. 
We're not there yet. Jesus is with us and he's given us this commission and he will stand with us and he will empower us and resource us as we press forward to accomplish this work in our time. In order to be the church Jesus wants us to be, we must be a church on mission. We have a mission that we must work to complete. It is Uh, the mission doesn't end because with each generation it gets passed on. And so we have a responsibility to continue to carry it forward. And the mission is to make disciples. There's a couple of different passages where Jesus commissioned some of his disciples and sent them out. And Luke chapter 10 is one I want to look at today. Jesus commissioned 72 of his disciples to go out ahead of him and to prepare the way. He's going to follow them by visiting the towns that they go to, and he's going to preach the message of the kingdom of God. And uh, there's a, as I said, there's a number of passages. Um, the, the mission, that the specific mission that the disciples are about, it varies. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus commissions the, his 12 disciples to go and build the church. Here in, Mark, or in Luke 10, he's commissioning disciples to go ahead of him uh, to prepare the way for his preaching. And so the mission might change a little bit, but the, but the instructions he gives are always the same. The tone in which they come, the way in which he tells them to approach the mission. And so Luke chapter 10, um, starting in verse 1, this is how it goes. The, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. First of all, he encourages them and exhorts them to be responsive to the need. Look ahead in in Luke 10 in verse 2, the second half of verse 2. It says this, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus says uh, the harvest is ready. The need is great. You know, the same thing is true in our time. The harvest is ready. The need is great. Jesus says the issue is always going to be a willingness of followers of Jesus to step up and join the harvest. Part of the reason for that is it's a little uncomfortable. It's a little difficult. It requires some, uh, it, it requires that we sacrifice to do it. And this is why it can be difficult There was a missionary in Africa years ago asked if he really liked what he was doing. His response was shocking. He said, do I like this work? No, my wife and I do not really like dirt. And we have reasonably refined sensibilities. We don't like climbing into vile huts uh, with floors covered with goat manure. We We don't enjoy that. But he says, is a man to do nothing for Christ that he does not like, God pity him if not. Liking or disliking has nothing to do with it. We have orders to go, and so we do. Love constrains us. Being called to the mission is not just being called to do things we enjoy, though God allows us at times to enjoy the work, but we're really called because of Christ's love for us, our love for him, to enter the mission field. And the mission continues. There was a one-legged school teacher years ago from Scotland who went to Hudson Taylor and offered himself for service in China. Hudson Taylor said, with only one leg, why do you think of going as a missionary? 
He said, I do not see those with two legs going. <laughs> His name was George Scott. He was accepted into the mission. Listen, uh, so often the mission work, God's work gets done not by the people that maybe could do it the best. All right? Certainly true of myself. But it's often done, in fact, it's almost always done by people that are willing. They're willing to enter the field. They're willing to respond obediently. And listen, none of us, including myself, do it because we feel the most qualified, the most competent to do the work. That's not what happens. But we get compelled, right? We get compelled by Christ and his call on our lives. That's why we answer the call. And that's, we're all in that same boat and we must move with that same motivation. Stay responsive. Stay responsive to the call. Secondly, in Luke, in this passage in Luke, Jesus, as he gives instructions, I think we see in uh, his, his exhortation this way. He says, expect opposition and difficulty. Expect opposition and difficulty. If you enter God's work, you have a number of enemies that are going to work against you. If you're not prepared for that, you'll get discouraged very quickly and quit. He, he says to his disciples this, Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. You're going into danger zone. You are lambs as followers of me. I've taught you to love others. I've taught you to care about others, to give to others. I've taught you to be innocent. And you're going into a harsh world where you will be taken advantage of. You will be attacked. You will get hurt in the process of serving me. We are to love others. We are sent to serve others. And as such, we're going to be taken advantage of. The enemy, the devil, who has been working against the cause of Jesus, working against uh, God's creation, people, right? Satan has been working to destroy humanity from the beginning. He continues to do so. And if you sign up, to enter the mission field, to enter the co-mission, to join this church on mission, you're going to be attacked. There's going to be opposition to what you're doing. And it's going to hurt. (laughs) It's going to hurt. And at times it will come out of left field. It will come from a place you least suspect. But you will be attacked. It's a reality of it. And Jesus encourages his disciples this way. The world system is going to seek to suppress you, tame you, The leaders in this world who do not believe in God and are not following him are not going to encourage you to be more outspoken, to be more bold in your witness. You will be encouraged to keep that to yourself. Go into the closet with your faith, right? That's safe. And yet our response is to lovingly continue to press. We are called to be disruptors. We're called to present a message that will not be popular everywhere. So popularity is not our number one aim. We want to be respected, not necessarily popular. And so we press forward with the message that God's given us, and we do it with a sense of grace and integrity. Winston Churchill exemplified integrity and respect in the face of opposition many times. During his last year in office, he attended an official ceremony. There were two gentlemen behind him. A couple rows back, they began whispering, said, that's Winston Churchill. They say he's getting senile. They say he should step aside and leave the running of the nation to more dynamic and capable men. 
When the ceremony was over, Churchill turned to the men and said, gentlemen, they also say he's deaf. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, we can be gracious in the face of opposition. You'll be discouraged in the application, in the living out of the, the message of the gospel that's been placed within you. Do not be deterred. Do not be deterred. Do not be stopped. Do not be tamed. Right? Um, don't allow it to happen. Continue to press forward because the God who has called you to follow him is the one calling you to continue to press on, carrying the mission forward. <clears throat> Jesus also said, stay dependent on God and urgent about the mission. In Luke, this Luke 10 passage in verse 4, Jesus gives these instructions. He says, don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone along the road. Don't take a bunch of extra provisions, all right? It's going to weigh you down. And don't stop and dilly-dally along the way. Have an urgency. So dependent on God, he's the one that's going to fuel uh, your, the mission. He's going to fuel you and provide for you. He's the one. And then stay with a sense of urgency about it. Each and every day, get up in the morning and know that you are headed out into the mission field. You're headed out to represent Jesus and to uh, find and seek those opportunities where God would use you to, to propel the mission forward. You are representing him. Well, the first fall that I was here, we did the fall campaign called Be the Message. It was all about that. See, this is the culmination of a church who's on fire. A church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and is living actively, pursuing the work of God. When we're healthy and unified and firing on all cylinders, this cylinder mission is kind of the result. It's kind of the, it's kind of the gravy, if you will, the icing on the cake of what living for Jesus does in our lives. What being a church that's, uh, that's in fellowship together and is working together and we've learned to serve and we go out into the world and we're making a difference. In order to remain powerful, on mission, we must realize that God is the one whom we're dependent on. We've got to stay focused on him. This mission is of utmost importance. It is the most important mission. It's the most important thing on this planet because with this message, with, the, with what we've been entrusted with, lies the eternal future of all of humanity. Sadly, there are some other examples of people going after a mission a little more aggressively than we do at times. A few years ago, these stats were true. They probably only increased. 97% of the world has heard of Coca-Cola. 72% of the world has seen a can of Coca-Cola. 51% of the world has tasted a can of Coca-Cola. And Coke's only been around 117 years. If God had given the task of world evangelization to Coke, they'd probably have it done. Look, we, 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 yes, we face opposition. I mean, Coke has sugar in it. You know, I get it. <clears throat> but, but we have a message that's so important, and it's the message of God's grace. It's a message of forgiveness and redemption. And you don't know anybody that doesn't need to hear that. You don't know a person that doesn't need to receive forgiveness from God and be reconciled to the one that created them. A living church that is on mission is a church that is investing. First of all, we're on mission. Second of all, we're investing. We must not think in terms of cost regarding the things we do, but rather in terms of investment. 
God has entrusted us with much and he really expects us to invest what he's entrusted with to produce more spiritual fruit. That's what God's about. You'll remember the, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 that Jesus told regarding this principle of investment in spiritual things, investing what God has entrusted to us. The parable goes this way. There was a, there was a, a, um, a business owner who had three employees working for him. These were, uh, these were responsible managers. <clears throat> he was going to head out on a trip, and so he called them in. The first one he called in and gave five talents of silver to him. He entrusted those resources to him, those talents. The second he called in, he gave him two. The third he called in and gave him one. He went away for a long period of time. He came back, and he called in these servants one at a time to see how things had gone. To the first that he had given five talents, in Matthew 25, verse 20, the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. He is praised for his efforts and his attitude toward the talents that were entrusted to him. Then the second servant is brought in who had two talents and he had the same response. He had invested and he had two more. He had doubled the master's uh, uh, resources. And then you know the story. The, the servant who had just one talent came in and uh, he said, listen, <clears throat> um, master, I know that you're a hard taskmaster. You even expect to reap where you haven't even planted seeds. I was scared of losing your money and so I buried it in the ground. Here's your one talent. And he is condemned for his attitude, his approach to dealing with the talent that he'd been entrusted with. This is the principle of how God looks at his kingdom. You and I, as individuals and as a church, have been entrusted with much. This church is filled with impact people. We have leaders in this community. We have people that are in every aspect, every place in this community. And we are called to, to uh, invest that, right? Because that's a talent. That's a resource that God's given us. It, he's given us the ability to make an impact. And we need to maximize that. So we're producing more. This community needs the gospel, right? Would you agree? We haven't reached this community yet. <laughs> we haven't reached this region yet. And so, and so our, our presence the power with which we present and live our lives on mission is important. And certainly as a church, we've got to do the same. Missional churches are churches that are investing in the kingdom of God, looking to have an impact for future generations. I'm talking to myself here, okay? Because I've now reached this point in my life, but I want to say something. That if you're over 50, <clears throat> I'm over 50 now. My name's John. I'm your friend. <clears throat> if you're over 50, church is not about you anymore. Okay? We, we've got to get to this place. It's not about us anymore. We have a responsibility now to set things up, to use this last bit of our, uh, of the leg of our life, this last quarter, whatever it is, whatever God gives us in time, to set up things well for the next generation. It doesn't mean that we haven't been doing that, but we have a way of living, right? We go through life and there's different seasons. And I just recognize that this is a season where God's burdening me not to make things happen for myself and have a wonderful uh, life. It's about making sure that my kids and my grandkids are gonna have a better community 
to grow up in, that things are going to be better for them. Now, that's a daunting challenge, I know, but that's the way we got to think. We can't think about just ourselves in this season of our lives, but how are we going to invest? How are we going to set things up? We got to start thinking that way strategically because we can do it. It's God who's called us to it and we can do it. And so that has to be the focus. It's got to move off of our own experience to how can we uh, ensure that the next generation can carry the torch, that, it, that they're set up well to continue to live out and live in the kingdom of God. We've got to think about investment in our region. How can we leave things better than we found them? J.L. Kraft, who was the head of the Kraft Cheese Corporation, many years ago, but he was a Christian man. He said this, the only investment I've ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I've given to the Lord, the money I've invested in the kingdom of God. Amy Carmichael said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. We are called to love the community God's placed us in. There's a giving, there's a investing that we're just gonna have to do if we really do love the people around us. Our life is to be like a river, not a reservoir, right? We're not just collecting things, but, but things flow through us and we're able to direct them. And that's the beauty of when God gives us resources and directs things through us and blesses us. And he often does that to his followers because we're able to direct those resources into places that are gonna make an impact for good. It's the beauty of it. And we get to partner with God in that. Missionary Jim Elliott, who you probably have heard of, his famous, famous quote and such a powerful perspective. He is no fool, he said, who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We have an opportunity as a church to invest, to look to the future and say, how can we make a difference 10, 15, 20 years down the road? What could we do today that's going to make that difference? Now, certainly, taking the responsibility to be a church that is healthy and unified and firing on all cylinders is a piece of it because a healthy, powerful church is going to be propelled to ensure the mission is advanced. We're going to be able to be used by God to do great things, even greater things than we could ever imagine. I know what I'm capable of. It's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough. But the good news is that Jesus, who's the head of the church, will do things through us that we're not capable of when we're on point with him. We live in a, in a time of unrest. We live in a difficult time. And the truth is that times of unrest and difficulty can make us concerned. We've been talking about through this. I've talked to, to us this way through 2020 uh, as we've contemplated and considered the position we should take, the posture we should take. And it's true that times of uncertainty can make us want to protect and sort of pull back a little bit and make sure that we're taken care of and we're ready for uncertainty. And I get that. But the truth is, within the kingdom of God, the work of God, seasons of unrest are simply opportunities that God is providing or allowing where there is an opportunity for us to step forward and so as a church, it's not a season to step back. It's a season to press forward and to do more and to take more risk and to, take, um, and to do more to capitalize on the opportunity. See, the world is shaken, uncertain. And that is the moment 
for many, the only moments when they'll consider a need for God. We need to make sure that we're ready for opportunities that emerge during this time of upheaval. The last thing that a church that is healthy and unified, firing on all cylinders, that this cylinder mission or impact, a church that is firing on this cylinder and that's healthy and active is a church that is taking responsibility for territory. The North Platte River Valley is certainly larger than this, but includes towns from Torrington down to LaGrange and everything east to Bayard. And we believe, as we have up on this beautiful sign that we have up here, um, that we believe this is the territory or region that God's given us, and we want to take responsibility for it. We know that it's not all up to us, but we want to take responsibility. People that are following Jesus, that are actively following him, are people that take responsibility. We take responsibility for others. It's a, it's a big task. It's a big calling. But it's the legacy of this church. God has positioned this church to have a regional impact. And so we continue with that focus and with that vision. As we end the service today, I want to invite you to come up. It's going to take a little time. It's okay. The worship team's going to play and, and we're going to worship. But we've got some magnets up here on the tables. And this is a metal, uh, this is a piece of, uh, what, eighth inch metal, Roger? I don't know. It's heavy. That's all I know. Anyway, um, but we want to come up and place a magnet. I want to call you to come up and place a magnet on the map closest to where you live. Uh, the, the lit up pieces are plastic, so you can't put them on there. You've got to put them around those, okay? But we want to take responsibility visually. And we're going to display this, right, out in the, out in the lobby in future for us to remember that we're called to take responsibility. We're going to do that as a church. And we're going to be open to what God calls us to do, to invest and to live on mission. And so as we end our time, that's what I want us to do. I want to invite you to come up and grab a magnet. You can make a couple lines and put them on, put them on the map and let's take responsibility. God, thank you for calling us to make an impact in our region, in our time. Thank you for entrusting us with the gospel. Father, we, we're really not capable in so many ways. And yet you have, you believe in us and you see in us a people that when we're focused on you, when we're dependent on you, when we have an urgency about what you've called us to, that amazing things can happen. Miracles can happen. And Father, we want to call you to move in and through us to change this community. To see many people come to know you as a result of our presence as a church, as a result of all of us taking responsibility for our community. God, we want to be available to you and we want to be on power for you, living on mission. God, would you just continue to awaken in us that call? Help us to respond in obedience out of a love and appreciation that you've for what you've done for us so God we can see the impossible happen we can leave this region in better shape for the next generation than we found it even so God we take responsibility this morning we we're willing to move out and be obedient to you would you use us we pray this in Jesus name amen